0: Welcome to the North Lakes Podcast. Today, behavioral health therapist Jane Moker joins us to talk about trauma. Jane earned her Master of Science in Clinical Psychology from Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and sees patients at our Marinette Clinic. Let's meet Jane.
1: Um, My name is Jane Moker, and I work here at North Lakes. I'm a mental health therapist here, and I've been here about five months or so.
0: And I think you were just saying you did some work with the county before this. What county was that?
1: Yes, I worked for Marinette County for 21 years. Um, I did day treatment. um, I was a day treatment therapist. Um, I also was a community in comprehensive community services and was a therapist there, went out in the community and saw people. I've seen lots of people throughout my career that have had trauma.
0: Oh, so you've been, you've seen them all.
1: I've seen a lot, yes. And,
0: and so you, you tipped my hat a little bit there that today we were going to be talking about trauma. That's why we, you and I are getting together for the North Lakes podcast today.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: What is trauma?
1: So trauma is a lasting emotional response that results from a very, very distressing event, um, usually a dangerous event, something like that. Um um, Experienced tra- a traumatic event can af- harm a person's sense of safety, their sense of self, and ability to regulate their emotions and navigate their relationships. It's really, really tough.
0: And what I, what would be an example of a traumatic event?
1: Um, some of the more basic ones that people think of is if people if you're in a car accident, um, death of a loved one, um, uh, witnessing somebody having a you know very Significant medical illness. Um, of course, war is—you know—being going to war is the most known one. Um, but it can be smaller things too. But it's all—it it has to evoke that sense of fear and almost feel like your life can be th- possibly threatened in order for it to be actually a trauma.
0: So it's um, something happens and it kind of leaves a little imprint on your brain, or, or it like. Some, something happens to your head that it like it cl- it clicks in and it's locked in there.
1: It yeah, it leaves a big imprint on your brain. Actually, um, changes kind of some of the chemistry. Um, people that have gone through trauma tend to have higher um, startle responses because their emotions, their um, adrenaline that gets is higher in the body. Um, Actually, brain scans have shown parts of the brain to look different in people that have been through traumatic experiences.
0: Hmm. And so what's what what's the function like what like back, you know, like why why does this happen and what what's the brain doing to preserve the human that it's part of? So it's the brain. If that's the right way to put it, I don't know. Oh, no. I, I hope you know what I'm trying to. I
1: know put. what you're saying. Yes, okay, okay, I'm good. good. <laughs>
0: All right. Um,
1: it's the brain's way of trying to protect a person when they go through some kind of a traumatic experience, say abuse, um, and the abuse is kind of happening over and over. The brain kind of it's a provides kind of a buffer. Um, sometimes a person will actually just kind of almost. I don't tune out, kind of like just not even be in the moment and not have memory of the trauma because their brain kind of shuts shuts things down to protect them and to kind of help them to deal with future events of of trauma or abuse or whatever the. Traumatic event is.
0: Got it. So it's like this might happen again. So be ready.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Got it. Okay. And um, so is that a in a way can that be a good thing? I mean, like so. I guess my question is: Is, is there what's the what's the good part of trauma? Well, if there is one,
1: it, it's good because it protects the person in the moment of the trauma. The bad thing is once they're kind of not experiencing the trauma event anymore, and they're just in their normal day-to-day living that it's still there that it's still you know it can really really hinder their um everyday functioning because they're so um emotionally charged and emotionally dysregulated that they have trouble in relationships trouble just with simple day-to-day living things um it can really really be a very uh, big negative effect on regular, normal living if the person doesn't go through and kind of be able to, isn't able to process that emotion and process the trauma um, so that they can get those responses to be less.
0: Got it. Imagine people are going to experience trauma in different ways. So something that might be traumatic to me or you isn't going to be traumatic to someone else, or is it the same in everybody?
1: No, it's definitely different. Everybody's different. There's like, it's kind of unknown, like exactly why it develops in some people and not others. Um, Uh, I've read that uh, people that do experience some sort of trauma, only one in three actually will go on to develop develop, like post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD, Um, and it's really not known. I mean, two people can go through very, very similar trauma, even say a brother and sister, siblings going through the same types of things, witnessing domestic violence or whatever the case may be, or or going being in a fire or anything like that, and they both not both of them will end up with PTSD. Some some people are fine, are okay, you know, maybe more anxious, but not actually traumatized by the same event.
0: Boy, I hear that all the time, PTSD, I have PTSD. Um, if you actually have trauma, is that a little traumatic to hear people throwing that around?
1: Um, I think there's more PTSD out there than than most people realize. I think it really is a a big thing. Um, A lot of times people will come in for therapy um, and saying they have X, Y, and Z diagnosis and really when after further questioning and really getting in there, you realize that there was some sort of traumatic event or events in their lifetime that it's really more of trauma response than actually the other diagnoses that they've been given by other people.
0: That must be... I, I admire how you do that. <laughs> like I, you know, like I, I talked to um, um, another therapist and I was just amazed like that. You kind of have to go through this interview process to kind of figure out what's going on with someone. And then is that a big moment for you when you are like, aha, I think this might be it. It,
1: I th- it is definitely for me because I think it helps when people understand where their symptoms are coming from and why they have the symptoms and it can be kind of explained. That's a huge, huge I think, relief for some people. It's not a cure, obviously, but I mean, they People come in and they've got these five different diagnoses that they've been given. I mean, so they come in thinking they're crazy because they have all these diagnoses thrown at them. Um, none of them really fully fit. And then if you can kind of uh, explain that actually it's this traumatic event or traumatic events that they have went through, I think that's very, very helpful to make that connection for people so they can see, you know, this is why this is happening. This, this response in your body, this emotional dysregulation, all of this is going on because of what you did or went through um in the past.
0: And do people just have like they oh it wasn't that big a deal or is there like there's like, hey, squash that down, don't worry about it or you, of course there's those are probably all examples. <laughs>
1: those are good examples actually. A lot of people, um not everybody. Some people like really like embrace that, but other people would be like, it's in the past. It doesn't affect me in I'm like, well, it clearly it is affecting you. You know, this these are your symptoms you're talking about. And, it, you know, and but some people don't want to hear that and don't want to believe that, which is fine. I mean, you know, that's their choice. And they just may not be ready to work on that or may never be ready to kind of work on processing through the trauma because processing trauma is hard. It's a lot of work and it's... um can be really exhausting for people.
0: There's a reason it got squashed down Yeah, and put aside. Oh, for sure. And like, I'll deal with this later, if at all, or I don't even know what that is anymore.
1: Right, there's a lot of times people don't even have memory of what the actual trauma is. I mean, they know something has happened to them or they know people have told them what's happened to them, but they have absolutely no memory of it. So they're like, well, how can it affect me if I don't remember it? Like, cause your body remembers and your brain remembers, like y- you may not have a memory of it, but your body does remember these incidents. Wow.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. And so like something similar might happen and it's like, why am I really anxious about this? Or, or like, what, like, how does the brain, like, I'm, I'm trying, I'm guessing, <laughs> I don't yeah. know, like, you you know what I'm asking at the
1: yeah it doesn't have to be even be something similar like mm-hmm. that this this is why it's pretty it can be debilitating for people like so somebody was abused um, say um, and then so they're they're kind of their startle response is really high their their emotions are always heightened much higher than what other people's emotions are so when they're um, something smaller happens that's a stressful event that's not trauma, it can ha- put them over the edge. That's that dis- that emotional dysregulation that we're talking about. You know, all of a sudden they-, they failed a test or, you know what I mean, they got pulled over by a police officer, whatever. Something that n- regularly for most people without trauma you know it would be stressful but you get through it where the where people that have had trauma some of these littler things in everyday living just is too much for them and they just it looks like they're overreacting but that's because of the changes in the brain that have happened because of the trauma
0: um and for the person who has had trauma, this is their every day. That's nothing new. They just like it's something they live with and don't think about it. It's just part of them. It's who they are.
1: It is. It is. Like, and they don't, a lot of times, like I said, when they come in, they don't understand it. Like, why am I so, you know, why are my emotions all over the place? Why are my relationships not great? You know, why my, you know, my partner says one little thing and I'm like, you know, blowing up and, or I'm really irritable. I'm really angry. Um, over little tiny things. Why is this? Well, it's because of the changes in the brain that happen after you've been through trauma for some people. And
0: I, what's it like? It must feel so great when you're able to like, this is it. And like kind of show like it, um, it's is it do people feel like a weight off their shoulders?
1: Some do. Some don't want to hear it. I mean, everybody's different. Um, I mean, but at that point, then the next question becomes, do you want to try to work on processing this or do you want to not? Because like I said, that can be super painful and difficult to go through. I mean, it's scary to go through things that have happened to you or to try to remember the things or to allow those flashbacks to, to come and, and not fight them or those intrusive thoughts. It, it's a it's a lot to deal with. So some people are not ready to process their trauma and that's, that's perfect perfectly fine. You know, I, I meet them where they're at. If they're not ready for it, they're not ready for it. We can work on other things, um, for sure. But the people that I have been able to process trauma with, the difference is amazing. Hmm.
0: And how are you able to help them? What do you do? How do you help them process the trauma?
1: Um, have them tell their story if they're comfortable doing that. Um, talk about the trauma, talk about the flashbacks, um, process through, um, those intrusive thoughts and the nightmares and things like that. Just continue to process through all that till you till there's a change. You know, the flashbacks aren't as bad. The flashbacks are less often. The nightmares are, are less. The le- nightmares are not quite as scary. You know, things like that is what I look for. Um, just helping them to uh, improve their daily living skills, improve their daily life.
0: Or at least they at least maybe help them like recognize what it is like yeah. oh, here's yeah. here's why you know maybe they had no idea like as you said they come to you like i don't know why this is happening <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's got to be helpful when you're able to say like this is why it's happening i mean that's got to be some relief right there
1: yes i think so when put, putting words to what they're experiencing because otherwise it's just scary
0: yeah taking yeah. the mystery away
1: yeah Hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of psychoeducation with people um, that I work with with trauma and, you know, get them understand the difference between like a flashback or uh, intrusive thoughts or the nightmares and why those exist or, you know, things like that and, and try to help work with them on how to recognize small differences, you know, in the flashbacks or small differences in the nightmares, um, maybe even track tracking the flashbacks, the nightmares, how often they're coming, how often they're happening, things like that can be helpful because then you might be having 12 in a month or 15 in a month, one month, and then six months down the road, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm really only having 10 in a month. you know? Where if you're not really logging that or monitoring that or paying attention, you're just gonna think it's, it's still bad, it's still the same. Where 15 in a month down to 10 in a month, Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And do you... Would you help them find, like, what brings these things about? I hate to use the word trigger because I'm not a provider, so I don't even know if that's a word (laughs) I should use. But, you know, can you... Is that the right way to phrase that?
1: That's exactly the right way to phrase it. I use trigger a lot. Okay, good. All right, all right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'll be... You know, I do podcasts and therapy. Maybe I'll move into that. There you go. Good, good.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, triggers is a big thing, recognizing triggers. And and triggers are interesting. I mean, sometimes you people will not figure out all their triggers like there's just some things you don't know and they can be from any of the senses They can be like a tactile trigger they can be like a, it can be a smell it can be a certain sound um, it can be seeing something which is an obvious one um, if you got in a car accident and you get in a car again you see, you know you're driving fast in a car that's a pretty obvious trigger Um, but yeah it can be a smell and then a lot of times if it's a smell or something like that or just a certain sound they may not be able to pick that up like what what the sound is or what the smell is or or things like that that has
0: to be uh, tricky To figure that out. Like, I mean, it's like nobody comes in like you're not like you don't like span, you know, scan a barcode on someone like, oh, this is what happened. It has to be challenging to Mm kind of like be the detective and figure out what happened.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times you don't figure out all the triggers. I mean, it's not most of the time I mean, there's going to be triggers there that we don't figure out. We don't know. You know, it's just kind of a process for the person to keep kind of monitoring, keep paying attention and 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 trying to, you know, figure out when those, you know, look around. We all of a sudden they're triggered or something happens, you know, what what is going on? What's What are they smelling? What are they seeing? What are they hearing? You know, and they may not figure it out. I mean, mm. they have to still navigate that. Well,
0: and as you were saying, like, you know, like to recognize what it is, and then now they have the knowledge at least to look for it and recognize it. And would you... I mean, you know, not everyone's the same, but would you say like, okay, so avoid those or, you know, like sometimes there's triggers you can't avoid. So how do you help people that way?
1: Yeah. Cause there are ones definitely, definitely that you, you can avoid, but then there's other ones. Um, like you said, that you can't like in, in, driving in a car may not be something you can avoid if you live way out in the country and need to get to doctor's appointments and things like that. Um sometimes just um, working through that and talking through that and then just having them get in the car and kind of monitor their their senses and you know teach them coping tools they can use while they're in the car um, whether it's breathing techniques or any you know any kind of techniques that are kind of going to ground them into the moment so that their heads not flying all over the place thinking about that the trauma that they've experienced you know kind of uh just using mindfulness and any type of coping tools to get them through that. Hmm. And Over time, the hope is that it's gonna make it easier and easier and eventually they'll be able to get in the car without having to do all of those things
0: they they've learned i was going to do air quotes there that don't work well for podcasts no <laughs> they've, they've learned how to deal with it
1: yeah they've so maybe process, that's so once the they way. process through it yeah a lot and it, it, they might still be anxious in a car but it might not be as debilitating hmm. as it had been at first
0: hmm. um this is all I, I, I love talking to behavioral health therapists I, I you know I just I, I don't know why it is but I, I just love I learned so much from you guys um, what happens when someone doesn't process this like for one thing maybe they don't want to you know they've come so far to see you mm-hmm. so they're like no I'm not going to deal with it but then there's the people that don't even like come at all you know like even try to like recognize it are there you know what what happens to those people what can happen to them how can this affect them in the long term or short term
1: um, it depends on, obviously it depends on the person everybody's definitely different um, there's a lot of people that I see that end up turning to like alcohol color drugs to try to cope with the symptoms and that I mean, I, I totally get why they would um, to kind of numb that those, those responses down, um, so we'll you'll see that a lot. A lot of times, you'll see people that you know have a hard time even like holding a job or you know just doing daily, everyday living kind of things. Unfortunately, and some people are able to function with their trauma. I mean, there's there's definitely different degrees of trauma or different degrees of how, how people's reactions to trauma. So yeah, it can be very debilitating to people, and sometimes a lot of those people don't even realize why why they're like the way they are
0: hmm and uh, it can get stacked up, too. It's not like it could be like one incident.
1: Right. I mean, there's sometimes trauma can be like a one-time thing, but then it can also be something uh, that's ongoing, like, like say, childhood abuse, like they're abused over and over and over and over. Um, or there's other people that have complex trauma where it's several different type of traumatic experiences that they've gone through in their lives. You know, maybe they've gone through physical abuse, sexual abuse. Um, they were in a car accident. Then they were in a fire. Then I mean, so it's numerous different kinds, and then then you have complex trauma, which is like trauma exacerbated. Basically, it's it's that's really tough to deal with when there's multiple different kind of traumatic events that have happened.
0: Just another piece of the puzzle you need to try to figure out.
1: Like yeah, unraveling an onion. Uh
0: huh. Unravel.
1: Well, peeling. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I don't mean to split hairs with you, Jane. <laughs> um, so with uh, do you work with other providers when it comes like when you speak alcohol and other drugs do You must work with our recovery people, or is that a so? Do you work in tandem with them because that's a that's another thing?
1: Yes, definitely. Oh yeah, we work as a team for sure. And here, the deal with some people that coming in with trauma and say they they using alcohol or drugs, they aren't always wanting to address that because it's in their minds it's worked for them for a long time. Um, so it depends on where they're at. Like I definitely wouldn't refuse to see someone if they're going to continue you know, using alcohol or drugs. I mean, I'm going to continue to talk about it with them and, and how that's not a helpful thing to be doing. But yeah, if they agree to being referred to... um um, AODA services, then yes, I definitely work as a team with the other provider.
0: Mm. Um, so that, you know, it's a big, it's a lot of work for a patient if they want to deal with this. If they've kind of like had this set life and they've like, this is what they're doing. They feel like they were going fine. This one other little thing happened and they come see you and it's going to... I'm not, not. You, I don't want to say you challenge them, but you're like, hey, here's some kind of, we can make your life better this way. It's going to be a little hard.
1: Yeah. I always tell them it's it's definitely not an easy thing to go through. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's a lot of work. Right. And it's a lot of work on their part. It, I mean, I'm not the one doing the work really, you know, I'm guiding, but... They're the ones that are going to have to do the work in between sessions and, you know what I mean, monitor and pay attention and, and things like that.
0: Oh, it's got to be a, tr- a tricky road to walk. Yeah. Where that. you, like, maintain that trust and not, like, find that line where you're helping but you don't want to push too far that you shove them away and they don't come back.
1: Exactly. And that happens sometimes. I mean, you know, not everybody's ready to deal with their trauma at that, at that particular time. I mean, everybody's on their own path and has their own experiences, so... You have to navigate that and allow them to be where they're at if that's what they want.
0: And I've been around um, my coworkers, my behavioral health therapist friends and around it, are, like I say, coworkers, but I don't think it's uncommon to say like, Hey, maybe you and I aren't a good fit. Let's find another provider for you to talk to.
1: Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, I'll have clients, um, um, and I'm not, I'm not trained yet in EMDR, which is a really, um, good effective therapy to deal with trauma you know, you can have like a few sessions of EMDR and it can be very, very, very helpful for people. Mm-hmm. So I definitely um, sometimes will have a client that I'm like, I really think I'll do the, the, as much as I can for you. But at the end, if you're not where you want to be, then I would definitely refer to a therapist that uh, is trained in EMDR because I think it's a really pretty amazing um, therapy for people so with trauma.
0: another tool in your toolbox, or you know, you have other resources of other providers that you know different things and maybe you'll speak with someone and say you know what this might be a better fit for you
1: yes the other uh, the other thing that I work with too is people that have trauma a lot of times um, getting them in with a psychiatrist psychiatrist or a psychiatric nurse practitioner somebody that um, specializes in mental health kind of medications um, so there's medications out there that can help take the edge off of some of those those symptoms those trauma symptoms that people have and that can be super helpful if if you can take the edge off a little bit it's gonna a lot of times it'll make it easier for them to, to then go in and process the different things that are going on
0: they get into a safer space somewhere a little, a little, bit, little a, bit more relaxed, and it yeah. gives them a little more headspace to, to to actually treat what's happening
1: yes exactly hmm. so definitely you got to work you know on board with the whoever the um prescriber is for sure and sometimes people come in and they're just going to a primary care doc and i'm like i think a psychiatrist would be a better fit for you because you know you have all this going on and you know not nothing against primary care providers for sure but you know sometimes people with especially complex ptsd you know they need somebody that's an expert in this particular thing
0: well just like they would need for cancer or yes. n- name another disease yeah like a primary care they're primary they're the first ones and then okay. they can like show you the path to something else
1: yeah of course yeah and I've not had issues like I any of the primary care physicians that I've worked with that I've referred somebody to psychiatry I've never had them say hey why did you you know (laughs) they're always very very supportive of that
0: that's got to be I I I know I like collaborating in my workplace my work environment that must be really wonderful to have those collaborators
1: definitely it's huge it's key to working with with um, patients with trauma you have to, you know, be collaborating with all the different providers that there are, mm. you know, and hopefully getting even natural supports on board. You know, friends, family members that are supportive of them, get them on board and even kind of talk, talk with them about how they can help as long as the person's OK with that. Um, those are all really, really important things to work with a person. You can't just pluck the person and work with the person and fix them, quote unquote, air quotes again. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we should
0: have a little sound. Yeah. Be like, ding. That means yeah. air quotes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I derailed your thought there, sorry. Oh, you're fine. With trying to be funny. That's not like somebody comes in and like, oh, PTSD or trauma. Here, this is what we will do. This is what we do for trauma.
1: No, it's it, not like that at all. Yeah. It's definitely every, like I said, it depends what where the person's at, what they want. And um,
0: you said, you mentioned that you'd been at this for years, for a long time. Oh. It must be like you, so as time has gone on you've learned how to do this better and better I mean I'm sure and you're there's always new techniques but um, h- how's it changed like for you like personally and, and like I'm digging a little deeper maybe than you want me to but I'm like what's it like being like a maybe a provider like a therapist your first year compared to, oh, to where you're at now
1: so different Uh huh. I think th- the biggest difference for me is I was so unsure of myself then and um, really kept thinking about the the books that I read in graduate school, the book, you know, think about the textbooks, the textbook, where over the years I had to learn, like, I can't just be thinking back on the textbook. I have to use the skills that I have in myself as well as what I've learned. Um, and once I started doing that and started working with people and started seeing success in, 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 in clients um, and became less afraid you know you, you, people come in with a diagnosis and a lot of times i think clinicians are like or therapists are like oh i don't i've never dealt with that before that's whatever and i'm like bring it on!" now i'm like bring it on <laughs> uh-huh. uh, let me i'll order some books i'll collaborate with some of my you know other therapists that have dealt with this situation you know or i'll just be curious and ask the person what is that like tell me about it tell me about where you're at with that tell me you know explain this to me Um, And I think that's huge, you know, letting them tell their story and, and just being curious and saying, I don't, I didn't know that. I don't know about that. Let me look into that for you. Mm -hmm. You know, being okay to be vulnerable and be like, I don't know everything. I'm not always going to be perfect as a therapist. I'm going to mess things up sometimes. Um, But if we can have a conversation about that, we can definitely both move forward with your treatment.
0: And do you collaborate with other uh, therapists that are maybe new at it, and like you talk about what they're going through and help them along a little bit?
1: Yes, we have. We meet weekly um, with a group of us therapists therapist we meet weekly to have meetings and stuff like that. So yeah, sometimes sometimes they'll have questions and things like that. And yeah, I'm all for throwing out my ideas or, you know, giving them resources or different things like that. Oh,
0: that's gotta be I hate to use the word fun, but that's gotta be really satisfying to be able to yeah. help your coworker work with your coworkers that way.
1: Yeah, definitely. It is okay.
0: Um um another trauma question. And I I don't think I prepped you for this one. Um, How does it it affect children differently? Uh,
1: I don't, I don't, wouldn't say, well, I guess a little bit differently in that children, their brains are still developing. So when you're a child and your brain is not fully developed yet, um, it changes the way your brain is. I mean, it changes, you know, how 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 your brain works. So I, th- I feel like and I feel like trauma in childhood, especially, you know, if they've experienced trauma after trauma after trauma, can definitely be um, very debilitating. Um, for people not that not that adults have going through trauma isn't debilitating but for a kid who's going through something and doesn't feel safe um, growing up and it, it's very it very much affects them a, a lot probably more than adults and then it's really hard for the adults that are caretakers of these kids to understand some of the behaviors that go along with somebody that's gone through trauma
0: mm. well I, I mean, kids, they're learning everything right then, so if that's, if their brain has taught them that, that's what their brain is doing.
1: Exactly, and one example of that is um, kids that kind of were neglected and didn't have enough food, right? Well, then What they learn is whenever they get food, they 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 collect it and they keep it and they because because they're so used to their body going without food that their brain is saying, if there's food in front of you, eat all of it, you keep all of it, you put in your pockets, you bring it to your bedroom, you, you know, and and so I'll have caregivers or parents come and say, like, well, they're still hoarding food in the room. And and I'll say, yeah, that they are. But that's okay because that's what their brain is telling them to do. You know what I mean? They're not misbehaving. That's what their brain has has taught them to do to survive. Hmm.
0: And <laughs> that I would not have thought of that example. And so how do you like, I mean, you try to like fix that? No. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's like sounds mean to put it that way. Like, you know, to like, but I think that's <laughs> maybe when I was growing up that's what you do is like you're like if you fix that behavior you know like not fix but you're like don't do that anymore and so another layer of trauma I guess
1: that's Uh re-traumatizing which is then which is why I work with parents of when I work with kids with trauma I always it's always a requirement that I'm working with the parents too because they're the ones at home with the the kids and dealing with the kids and supporting the kids every day Um, so they need to learn techniques and have support in how to do that best so They're... Uh, giving consequences to a kid for taking food in his room, that's just re-traumatizing to that child. And if you can, if I can get them to understand, this is a normal behavior for, for a child that's been through what your child has been through. Um, so if you can kind of let that go and 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 not focus on that behavior and focus on some other things instead, you know, just normalize it for them. Like this is normal behavior for a kid that's been through what your child has been through. You know, it's okay. They're not misbehaving. They, you know, this is instinctual.
0: What a relief for them. It can be. Uh, you know, like, oh, like, again, like understanding. So they're like, why are they doing, what's happening? Why are they doing this? And to be able to explain it, that must be very helpful.
1: Definitely. And some don't want to hear it. Some still think it's behavioral. I know it's behavioral. And I'm like, eh, no, no, it's your kid is doing the best they can with what they have.
0: <laughs> um. So if someone you already explained to me that trauma affects people in different ways. Yes. So somebody that's like two different people that have been in a car accident, maybe the same car accident, they're going to go about it different ways. Yes. How would, what would you suggest to someone that they do look into it? You know, like maybe you do need some help with trauma or what happened because as you said some people are going to go through that and it doesn't affect them they or, or, or does it or they are able to process it on their own I guess like what what at what point should someone seek out therapy seek out, seek out
1: help I think if it's affecting their like their relationships it's affecting their um, day-to-day living I mean if they're say avoiding getting in cars or won't you know things like that and it's affecting their day-to-day functioning that's when they should definitely seek out therapy if it's not really affecting them that much, or if it's just a little anxiety here or, or, or there, then you know they can generally process it on their own. But yeah, if there's if it's affecting their daily living, for sure seek out therapy.
0: Their quality of life isn't what it could be.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, relationships can get rocky, things like that. You know, if you have an exaggerated startle response or you're, you know, irritable or crabby or angry. I mean, obviously that's going to affect your relationships. Mm-hmm.
0: But it isn't weird to think that somebody could go through that and process it on their own and go on living just fine.
1: No, a lot of people do.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and... But there's also, like, maybe it was fine at the moment, but so many years or whatever down the line, it kind of rears its head again. Does that happen?
1: Yeah, that actually can happen. Um, And sometimes it's just some little trigger that kind of brings it back up or... um, Something just really obscure, but yeah, a lot of times people are like I didn't think that bothered me. It didn't bother me them, but all of a sudden now it's you know it's it's something's really upsetting me. I'm really having a hard time my day to day living, um, and then you start exploring, and going back, and finding out oh there was a car accident, there was whatever there there was a fire, there was whatever it was. And they just, you know, went and saw fireworks all or whatever, and it brought all that back up hmm. for whatever reason.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing again, like maybe the body's like ready, like, OK, now I'm my, like the brain's saying I'm ready to deal with this now. Right. Or now, now I need to deal with this.
1: Right. Yeah. Because yeah. you can some people suppress things, too. You know, like we talked about before, you know, you, you can suppress those things, and suppress them and suppress them until you can't. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and start, stuff starts coming up and coming up and coming up, you know, little by little. And then all of a sudden the person's like, what's going on? Um, so
0: talk a little bit about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we, we touched on it when we just first started talking, but is it worth talking a little bit more about that? Is that different than just straight up trauma?
1: People can have trauma, not end up with PTSD. Um PTSD, again, is something that's affecting your daily living, your relationships, all of those types of things. Um, sometimes it's affecting whether you, you can hold a job, um, whether you can provide for yourself financially, uh, your relationships, your, you know, relationships with anybody, your, you know, spouse, your children, you know, parents, all of those things. Um, so you can experience trauma and not, act, not have PTSD.
0: Mm-hmm. But... What is it? So like post trauma like it just shows up, post-traumatic means it just shows up later? or
1: No, not necessarily. Um, it can show up right after. It's just, um, post in this case just means after the trauma. So it could be the day of the trauma. I mean, hmm. just, um, so you no, know, people experience the trauma and then it's affecting them, their day-to-day life.
0: That's kind of a, is that a f- fancy phrase for trauma?
1: Um... No, because like I said, you can go through trauma and not necessarily have PTSD. Because you can <laughs> go through trauma and it doesn't affect your day to day life. You know, your your relationships are okay. Um, you're able to provide for yourself. You're able to hold a job. You know what I mean? You're you're functioning, you're functioning okay. Um, but it's when people cannot function in some of those areas of their life that then they would uh, warrant a diagnosis of uh, PTSD.
0: Got it. Thank you. Because, I, I mean, that's you would agree with me, I think, that that gets thrown out quite a bit, that it's out there, That's uh, so it's helpful to break it down a little bit, so thank you.
1: Yeah, it does. It gets yeah. thrown out a lot.
0: Okay, I know Um. I got one more question for you, if you don't mind, unless there's anything else you'd like to cover.
1: No, I'm good.
0: Okay, my last question um, is, what's in your car right now?
1: What's in my car right now? Lot of junk? No. Hmm. Um, huh. I have my all these shopping bags in the back. I have a couple of cups that my kids left in there that I have to take out and and throw away. <laughs> um, I I have makeup in there. Oh, I have lots of things in my car.
0: Um, Jane Moker, thank you so much for being in here and talking to me about trauma. I've learned a lot, and it was really nice to talk to you. Thank you.
1: All right. Thank you for having me.
0: Have fun at the fair.
1: Oh, thanks. I'll try.
0: Okay. All right. Have a good day. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. Jane Moker is a behavioral health therapist at our Marinette Clinic. She sees patients in person and virtually. Thanks for all the information, Jane. It was great to talk to you. If you think you could benefit from speaking with someone about some trauma you may have experienced, give North Lakes a call at 888-834-4551. North Lakes Community Clinic is a community health center with several clinics located throughout the northern part of Wisconsin. Our mission is to respond to the health care needs of our communities with an integrated array of quality services and actively remove barriers to wellness. My name is Jeremy Oswald, and I'm lucky enough to have these conversations here on the North Lakes podcast. Leave us a review wherever you listen. It's always great to hear your feedback to let us know what you're thinking. Thanks for listening and join us again next month when I'll talk to another one of our North Lakes providers.